Thank you to everyone who came last night. I appreciate that. It was a very, very good night, very inspiring. The, the Brazilian, Brazilians speak Portuguese, and there's around 600,000 Portuguese speakers in London. That's a huge chunk, an enormous part of the city. So we're going to start a, a, a city-wide strategy to, to reach those different nations, Angola, Cape Verde, various other nations. Um, so please keep that in your prayers. You'll be meeting them from time to time when they join us on Sunday. Also, is Hama here? We had the, the launch also of the Nepalese women's service yesterday. Amen. Praise the Lord. That was yesterday afternoon. So thank God for that. And about seven or eight weeks ago, a chap called Peter Finch came. Many of you were probably here at that time. And he left me with a thought, and we've been working out that thought ever since. It kind of, it's taken me many weeks, but I really got, you know, impregnated with something just in the last few moments of what he was sharing uh, about your future, right? And about some of the missing pieces. So we've had a slight interruption because of camp. But, so this is a series on vision, on vision and dreams and you, uh, you know, actually realizing the vision that God has given you in your life. Part one, if you remember, we understood that we have to shut doors. There's things in our past that you have to shut down and face up to that reality. Once we've done that, that really releases the power of God within us to release the dream. Whatever that vision is, whatever that hope is, and we've all got one, to begin to release it. Then on camp, it was a bit of a disturbed evening the first night, but we, we, we looked at realizing the dream, actually apprehending it. And today I want to continue that same theme. Each step is important. Each step you're going to have to follow, I'm afraid, friends. There's no exceptions. You're not going to go from A to Z. You're going to go from A to B just like everybody else. Oh, yeah. So don't disregard the steps, but be faithful in going back over these steps. It's something I, I, I presume I'm familiar with at this stage because God has given me things and I've seen them realized and then more things. So you kind of learn in that whole process. So today's topic, if you want one, a title, it would be sanctifying that whole process. Sanctifying my dream. Sanctifying my vision. Could I have my first slide up, Ray, from the PowerPoint? Um, there's a very, very important scripture in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 18. And it says this. Where there is no vision, people will cast off restraint. If you don't have a vision, what will you do? Okay, read it again. Where there is no vision, where there is no dream, where there is no hope, people cast off restraint. If you're not in contact with your dream, what will you do? Cast off restraint. You will live a lawless life. You won't have a focus. Now, folks, all discipline. Do you lack discipline? All discipline comes from vision. All discipline. You show me a disciplined person, that is vision that's driving them. When you get a vision of your future, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, it says this. When a person gets saved 
and they see their future selves. It says anyone who has this hope within him purifies himself. There's your discipline. But the hope, the, the, it, uh, the discipline comes from the hope. The discipline comes from what I see. All discipline is driven by vision. And when you take away a person's hope, when you take away their vision or their dream, they lose discipline. They lose the drive. They lose the motive. So please do not underestimate the, the, the critical importance of you nurturing that dream, holding on to the vision that I believe every believer has, no matter how insignificant it may seem to you, it's critical for your own well-being. And by the way, when I say discipline, I'm talking about being self-disciplined. I'm not talking about the discipline maybe within your home from your parents. Maybe you'll walk away from that. Or the, the discipline in the church with your... I'm not talking about that. Or the discipline in society. None of those things. It's self-discipline. That's what it is. It's self-discipline. Now, I am not a very disciplined person. But I have become extremely disciplined when I've got something. When I get a vision. I told you this before. Me, as an undisciplined, born-again Christian, just got saved. And I tell you, I had a vision. I had a vision concerning the Word of God. And He put it in my heart. And I saw something of my future. You're going to minister in the Word. Well, I tell you, I resigned from my work, put myself available. A guy gave me a room. I said, thank you very much. Nobody looking after me. Nobody setting my alarm clock. Every day, for a year, I was in that room on my own, reading the entire Bible. I wrote, hand-wrote, 26 volumes, right, of notes on every individual that I could find of significance, every doctrine, all the happenings, nobody driving me, self coming from vision, coming from hope. Coming from something that I see. The scripture says, 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, Whoever has a hope, what comes with that is the discipline to achieve this. To achieve that. And that just transforms your entire life. And it will transform you. So don't underestimate it. Don't let people take it from you. Don't let them diminish it. But you fight for it. Next slide, please, Ray. I, I meet many types of people. There are those that have no vision. They've never labored for it. They've never fought for it. And that's just crazy. That's not a good way to live as a, as a, as a believer. Secondly, there, there are those who have had a vision, but they've given up on it. They started out. It got difficult. They didn't expect the, the hard times and the good times. Eunice. They, they thought it would be a cakewalk, and it is not. There is massive fights to be gotten through. There are those who pursue their vision. They set out, but they don't do it with biblical principles. Moses is a cracking example. Moses saw what God had made him for to set the people free, and he kills the Egyptian. Uh-uh. Wrong plan. So he had the vision right, but he didn't have the principles right. Amen? So it, it, it is... It's not simple in that regard. There are many biblical principles to achieving the goal that God has given you. Are you listening to me? You have a dream. 
That's what God does. Every believer has something within them. Some people never even dare to tell anyone. They keep it a secret. Hidden talent is the way Jesus put it in the parables. Some people just hide the talent. They don't want anybody to know. But each believer, when you got saved, a dream, a gift is put in them. And really, one of the primary tasks for you is to identify that thing and then to work that thing. I tell you what, folks, do not be a jack of all trades. A jack of all trades and achieve nothing. Somebody who does a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and by the, and then my life's gone. But that's not really the way we are designed or motivated. You're motivated or you're created really to be very good at one thing. Right? Something is in you that is your speciality. And, and Je- I don't believe Jesus... Uh, encourages us to be like that. Do you remember Mary and Martha? Right? So here you have these two individuals. One of them is doing many things. Many things. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit. And there's one of them doing one thing. Now who does Jesus commend? He turns to Martha. He says, Martha, Martha, get a grip, you know. You're concerned about this, concerned about that. Don't, you know... Look at this. Look at Mary. She has found the one thing. And I will not take it from her. And the trouble with life is it can really try to drag us off this way and that way. Don't let it do that. Find the thing. By the way, if you don't find the thing, you will do this and that and that and this and this. That's what you'll do. You'll be trying this and trying that. And there's a place for that type of thing. But I would want to prophetically know what God has called me to be and to do, therein I find, to be honest, I find myself. I find out who I am. That thing will make you. It will continue your whole creation process. Next slide, please. There are, people get their vision from different places, and some of these places can be very corrupt. The world will absolutely try and force its vision on you. And that's very simple. You see it every day. There's the get-rich-quick type schemes, right? Which every, you walk down any high street in this country and somebody's trying to sell you one of those pyramid type schemes. There's the worldly version of renew your mind, which does creep into the church. I, I think I shared with you, I had a guy in Glasgow. I couldn't believe it. I was up there visiting and the member said, you've got to meet this guy. And he was, uh, I think he was from Nigeria. And I'd never met him before, but, I mean, he was obsessed. He was, he was convinced in his own mind that God had given him this book and he had written this book. And he was going to become rich through this book. I'm going to become rich. And as soon as he said that to me, I just, I just said, listen, Paul, we need, we need to have a chat. Yeah, we need to have a chat. I, I don't like that attitude. I don't like I have no problem with prosperity. But Scripture tells us to warn those who seek to become rich. Okay? So anyway, he end up, ended up on the first day in the building trying to fight me. We had to throw him out and call the police. That's someone with a real... See, he's getting the world mixed with the church. He's got the whole get-rich-quick thing, and he's mixed the whole... He's messed up. Huh? 
Don't get like that. Don't let the world do that to you. Now, see, I mean, I know churches, and I know what Christians, I don't know what you're like. I'm one of them. If I say to you, why don't you pursue your dream then? Why don't you go out and do it? You're going to say to me, because I haven't got any money. Hello. What's wrong with you? Oh, I've got a mortgage to pay. I've got to do this. I don't have the money. I'm poor. Yeah, I, You know your lack of money. You know your poverty. That is a result. That's what it is. It's an end result. And you need to see it as a result, because if you don't change the process that preceded it, guess what? You're going to continue producing the same result. So your poverty, actually, in terms of our topic today, your poverty is actually the result of the fact that nobody knows who you are. (laughs) Nobody knows you. Nobody knows what your gift is. You haven't told anybody about it. You've buried it. You've hidden it. And that's what's caused you to be poor. If you find the one thing that Jesus speaks about, and if you work that thing, that one thing will be the source of just about everything you need in your life. Do people know you for one thing? Or do they know you for many, 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 many things? If I say to you, Tiger Woods, Jamie Oliver, right? we really need to get to that place of identifying who we are, what God has made me to be, what God has made me to do. Why do I get this wrong all the time? No. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's right. Look at these four simple points here. The way... I see it, is you need to know who you are. Step one. Okay? You, you. You need to know who you are, and you need to take the time, fasting, separation, whatever it is to do that. Secondly, you need to become an expert in whatever that thing is. When God shows you something, if it's healing, if it's business, if it's whatever it is, you need to completely dedicate yourself to that one thing. Once you've got your expertise, so I locked myself in a room, and that was after Bible college, by the way. So I've I've been to Bible college, I lock myself away, and I'm not, excuse the word, but you know what I mean. I'm going to learn this thing. I'm going to work this thing. I'm going to do my homework. And once you feel delivered from that learning process, there is a period which most people hate. It's this bit. You have to tell everybody. It's not easy to do that. Not easy for people to, they feel they're going to be judged. If I tell everyone what God has called me to do, you know, they're going to judge me. You're right. They are. You're right. They are going to judge you. And you have to accept that and still get over it. And the last point in terms of developing yourself is you're going to need friends to help you fulfill whatever it is God has called you to do. So, I mean, I just created those points this morning, just in here very early this morning. Because I I perceive and I know from experience that they're the steps that I've gone through and I can see them in Scripture. I need to know who I am. 
Paul disappeared to Arabia, right? Spent his time alone with God. But there comes a time, the real tough one is this one. Some people become experts, but still. Look, look, guys, you say you're poor so you can't, you can't pursue your dream. If you're an expert in something, people will pay you to do it. When you're really, really good at something, they will pay you to do it. And this will be the source. This is the gift that God is putting you. So you can't skip any of these steps. But it is, it is embarrassing. It is, a, it is a real life changer. There's a big crossroads at point three where many people just can't handle the judgment of others when they start to step out of the boat or pursue the person that God has actually you know, created them to become. They shy away from that point. I repeat, people are poor because nobody knows who they are. A girl called Tracy Chapman. And she had a dream. She had a gift. She was able to play the guitar and sing and write songs. And she's sitting at her, on her own at home. <laughs> Nobody can hear her. Nobody knows who she is. So, very simple idea. I know what I'll do. I'll go into the city center. And goes into the city center, puts her hat out, and she starts to play. And it's a remarkable story. She starts to sing songs, and one day, just because she happens to be in public, a music producer is walking past and thought, that girl can sing. And listens for what she can really, she's got style, she's got something. And in the end, he speaks to her, and you know the story. She broke a record because she was the first person to enter the music industry and win record of the year in the same year. Good stuff, huh? Just making yourself known, coming out of the shadows and letting people know, I do have a gift. I am going to pursue this. I do have a dream. Kate Moss. Supermodel, right? Multi, 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 multi millionaire. Comes from a poor background. But she, you know, Kate Moss can be forever grateful that her mother didn't have a car. Because she didn't have enough money for a car. Because if the mother had a car, she would have been put in the back seat like all the other kids going to school. But instead, her mother had to take her out in public. And set her at a bus stop. And this one particular day, Kate Moss was 14 years old sitting on a busy street when a man was walking down the street and he saw her. And he called the mother aside and said, can I talk to you? This is my card, he said. He said, uh, please trust me. See your daughter. She has a bone structure that will make her a very wealthy person. So this is my card. I have the ability and the contacts to make this happen. Come back to me in four or five years. So the mother kept the card <laughs> and made the phone call and the rest is history. Amen. Just being in public, just announcing it, just saying it, 
It's a big day. It's a big transition. But many never dig that talent up. They never uncover it. They're embarrassed. They're frightened. And absolutely judgment. I mean, I had a dream that we would bring the word to the nations, as you know. I had a dream that we would push towards radio. I had several very good people I trust come and prophesy to me that you need to work to radio, and I took it seriously and did my own work, but we didn't have the money, we didn't have the, the technical expertise and all that. And I remember when we first put our first lighting rig up in the church, um, it was, there, there were many changes had to take place. And this family came in, and they walked into the church, and the new lights were going in, and they said, what's happening? And they said, oh, it's the TV program, Pastor Mike's TV program, he's putting lights in, they never came back. How amazing is that? How crazy is that? Do you know why they didn't come back? Because they sent messages. Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? Jimmy, what? And you, I know I'm going to get that attitude. So I went back to the church and I made a public statement. I will not be limited by tiny minds. You can say amen there. Because believe me, friend, if you intend to do anything in this planet, you are going to meet dozens of people like that. Dozens of them. They don't see it. They can't get it. And I'll tell you this. Those who don't achieve or don't pursue will always try and pull down those who do. Oh, yeah. So you have got to set your forehead like flint. It's like I have established many language services. And I know the criticism I get for doing that. I know it. I know your thoughts before you even think them. Okay? Yeah. Because I've had years of it. I know the cynicism. I know the, the criticism. But you have to accept that and still do it. And still do it. You do it because it's right. So see, I'm, I'm telling you folks, see this, tell everyone. People don't want to do it. But as I said at the beginning, you're going to have to go A, B, C, D, just like everyone else. Jesus had to do this very thing. You know, there was many years when no one knew who Jesus was. Correct? He was in the shadows. He was anonymous. And there is a time and a place for that. But it didn't stay like that. What what he entered into was the I am phase. He was broadcasting it in the streets. I am the bread of life. I am the Son of God. I am the gate. I am the door. He was telling everybody who he was. Right? And it's not just Jesus. Take the upper room. Or take your life. I love Joseph. I love the story of Joseph. Joseph had a dream, right? Found his identity as a young man. Maybe he was somewhat bombastic and all the rest of it. And he, he explained the vision, listen carefully, to his family. <laughs> well, that didn't go down well, did it? His brothers and sisters, huh? What, Joseph? Yeah, try and kill him. Some reception for his dream. People can be frightened of telling everybody. Especially my family. So... Joseph's in the pit. He gets taken, you know the story, he gets taken off into Egypt and years go by. And the wonderful line in Genesis is well, after all those years when the brothers come back, Joseph cried in secret 
And then scripture says this, and Joseph came out before his brothers. What did he say? I am Joseph. To his brothers and sisters, to his family, you know what I mean? He was ready to face his family. And sometimes your family can be, you know, I knew your father, right? That's what they say in Glasgow. I knew your father. I knew your father. That's what they said to Jesus. Who do you think you are? We know you. And so you have to predict, if you don't, you know, set your forehead like flint against these things, you will not complete this task. And you'll be like millions of others whose dream dies with them. What a tragedy. What an absolute tragedy. So where are you in this process? Have you taken the time to find you? (laughs) Have you taken the time to find yourself? And I, I really plead with you, let God give you that identity. Let God give you the identity. Let God tell you whatever that is. Maybe something you don't want. Maybe something you do want. It's not, it's not important. What's important is that it is a God thing. In fact, next slide please, Ray. That's the heart of this next slide. In terms of your dream, don't make it up. If you make it up, you're going to be working that thing in your own strength for decades to come and it will still be a disappointment. Don't make it up. Get it, get it from God. The churches have gift-based schemes, parachurch schemes. Anything that originates with men, really I've got no time for it. As I shared with you on camp, Gustav asked me to come up and do their, they have a camp as well, the leaders retreat camp thing. And the first thing I did was take this thing <laughs> Out of the room. I I don't want it. There's a a place for a a flip chart. But I tell you this. When you're seeking God for your dream, get rid of pen and paper, if you know what I mean. It's not good ideas we need. We're not looking for, you know, comparisons to others or what someone else has done. You, if there's one point in your life when you need to hear, it's that point. Everything else will work itself out. God will provide. You just got to get the thing right. Amen. Amen. He will provide. Just to conclude that, I I looked stupid, you know, because we had bought cameras, we put lights up, we did all the things, we still got no money. And I looked stupid. We needed £375 a week. And I have to stand up here every week with no money to do the program. I don't care. Myself and Jeanette, we got a phone call one day from this girl. She said, would you meet, meet me? Hey, yeah, no problem. She was only a younger girl. I thought it was a relationship thing, so I want to talk about. I went down and met her there. She sat and I said, well, you know, what's up? I said, how much do you need? For tea? Oh, it's 375 quid a week. So she said, quick calculation. Wrote a check. That's the first year covered. Wow. Thank you very much. <laughs> Amen. Amen. When you get the vision right, remember, the Lord will yield, the devil will yield, and you will find that people will also very quickly yield. Right? Get the vision, get the thing from God. Remember, it might not be something that you're so keen about, but in the end it will work out. Because it's not your idea, it may be strange to you. But get the original vision from God and everything else will look after itself. In terms of that sourcing, just be careful. I, I, you know, church, all churches have church hoppers, right? 
People who hop from church to church. The same people normally go to every conference in town. Right? I've never done that. I've never hopped churches, and I don't conference hop. Um, but you have to feel sorry for them. Why do you do that? <laughs> They're searching, right? So they, the, the grass is always greener. And it is, it is a talk about a wild goose chase. It is, you are wasting your time. Are you listening to me? What you're looking for is not out there. What you're looking for is not actually in this room as such. What you're looking for is inside you. So all the church hopping and all the conferences in the world aren't going to solve this problem. The, the nature of all created things is that their future is within. A seed. Where is the future of the seed? Within the seed. And the, your future is actually buried inside. And it is your job to break that outer shell. Unless a seed fall into the ground and die. And when you are broken before the Lord, suddenly your eyes open and you begin to see what you were born for. What you were made for. And with that, as I said at the beginning, with that comes the discipline, the vigor, which you're going to need, the vim to actually pursue that to its completion. That brings me to my next point. Next slide, please, Ray. Where are you getting your vision from in, t- in terms of the world? Don't go there. But where we get our vision from in terms of God is also incredibly important. Uh, let me say this, folks. I, I was joking with the Sri Lankans on Friday. I, I pretended to take a phone call in the middle of the meeting and be very rude to them and walk out. <laughs> um, just as, as an illustration, I think I did that here one day. How do you treat God? How do I treat God? Do you want to find your dream? You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to do the same as everybody else had to do. What did Abraham do? He turned off his phone, right? What did Abraham do? Abraham took himself into a place of total isolation. All on his own. What did Moses do? That was a long one. Forty years, Moses was isolated on his own, but in that place, he found his identity, he found his vision, and all the rest became easier. What did David do? He's up in the fields, isn't he? He's isolated. He's on his own. He's actually perfecting his art. I killed the lion. I killed the bear. But he's isolated. He's away. He's actually cast out as well, just like Joseph. What did the prophets do? Same thing. Every one of them were isolated. Everyone, including Jesus, takes time out, time alone, time of separation. I don't mean five minutes on the bus, right? I mean, a, a, a life shift. I went away for five years. I went away for the whole month of December. Um, one pastor said, you know, you need to be careful. You haven't got your head up in the clouds, young man. <laughs> and I found a postcard with a guy with his head in the clouds. I sent it to him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's because I did have my head in the clouds, which is where Jesus was, right? He was up the mountain all the time. 
So I'm not going to listen to your busy life. I need to find something, and I'm not coming back till I've got it. So I will be pursuing this and pursuing this until I've got it, until I have realized it. How much isolation do you give God? I, I, my plan, as much as he needs, as much as it requires, I don't know. When are you coming back? Don't know. Don't know. I need to do what I need to do to get what I need. All those men made space, gave God space, gave God that space. And don't live to regret the fact that you allowed the things of this life to busy you. This world will keep you incredibly busy, won't it? Oh yeah, very, very busy. And I challenge you, friends. You will say to me, I can't have isolation because I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Well, you know, why did you take those things into your life anyway? Why, do you, why are you doing that? I just overheard a conversation of a guy behind me in a coffee shop last week. A couple of people talking and one guy turned to the other and he was very serious. And he said, you know, I've realized that I can't do that Thursday morning anymore. At the coffee shop thing, the, the charity thing. I've realized that it's getting too detrimental like in the other areas of my life. And I just picked it up. That's so true. <laughs> so true. You gotta, if you intend to have a life that's pursuing God and actually realizing the vision, you're going to have to become increasingly careful about the things you take in. Whether you're doing a course that's going to take four years of your life and thousands of hours of study. Do I need that? For what? How does that time the vision? How does that match anything that doesn't match my vision? I will not let it into my world. Amen. Amen. And maybe, whether it's hobbies, you can't afford to have a hobby that's taking your time away. You can't afford to do that. So I would ask you to make an assessment right now. What are you doing with your time? Have you picked up some weights that you shouldn't have? And can you unpack them? And don't keep on doing that. Or you're not going to finish the race. In the singles on, on camp, the singles meeting, I, I was sharing with them about my criteria. Before I married Jeanette, I took her out. I can see it now like it was yesterday. I took her to a, a coffee shop called Cleary's in Dublin overlooking O'Connell Street. And I had actually written up my vision and my criteria for life. And I explained to her, this is where I'm going. So I get up very early in the morning, for example. I'm a well early riser when everybody else is asleep. Can you handle that for the rest of your life? You know, we need to give. We need to travel. Right? And we moved seven times in seven years once. The church is going to move us left, right, and say, can you cope with that? And I listed out the criteria, my criteria for fulfilling my vision. Because that's her primary role as a female. She is to support the man. So I explained all that. And at the end of it, she breathed in. <gasps> yes, I can handle that. And I believed her. And I was right. She proved faithful. And so did I. To achieve that dream. But my criteria was the vision. What's yours? <laughs> what do you take into your life? I tell you, do you know the greatest weight in your life? People. 
people. Don't believe me? Have a baby. <laughs> Only if you're married. So, those who have raised children here will vouch for the fact that when you have a baby, when that child comes into your world, you wave bye-bye to 20 years, okay? That's the next 20 years gone. Now, that can be a very positive thing. I don't mean that in any way, negatively. But I'm just being realistic. Um, because I do meet people. They have four or five children, and then they talk to us. We want to go on the mission field. Okay, you can go on the mission field, but that's going to be quite a lot to carry. Yeah, I know some people do it. One got five or six kids, actually. So, okay, no problem. But you do need to be aware that if you're going to bring people into your world, those people need to be able to, to, to go with your vision. And singles, are you listening? The most important thing is not getting married. The most important thing is the vision. Believe me, that's true. Trust me, it is true. Something to do, someone to love, something to look forward to. Don't play with statistics. You're not any different. You don't discover that the hard way. The most important thing for you to do is find that vision. And you do not bring anyone into your world who doesn't complement the vision. You need to say amen there. Amen. Don't do it. Find the vision by putting God first. And then no one enters your, no one enters your arena unless they complement the overall outcome. Because they're going to weigh me down. They're going to be a weight that I don't want to carry. It's called a ball and chain for a reason, right? Okay? That's a weight you do not want. So, singles, listen up and be wise. Very quiet this morning, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, okay. Next slide, please, Ray. What is your vision appealing to? And you hear some crazy, mad stuff. Some people have a vision, and the end of their vision, you know, they're... They see themselves lying on a sun lounger uh, with no cares in the world. And uh, What was the end of Isaiah's vision? Put inside a tree trunk and sawn in two. And, of course, Peter, when he was walking with Jesus, and Jesus gave him his vision just before he left, didn't he? Hi, Peter. When you're old... They're going to crucify you too. Thanks. I got it. <laughs> and you work your way through many of the twelve. And you see the end of their lives were martyrdom. What's, what is your vision appealing to? My body and my flesh that I don't have to have faith anymore because I've got so much money? Come on. That's a ridiculous vision, scripturally. That's absurd. It's not God. God wants faith. Always faith. Is it appealing to the church? Like people-pleasing? Sanctify your vision. Sanctify the vision. Bring it under the scrutiny of God. Whatever vision I have in my mind right now, it needs to be that the kingdom is established. I am decreasing. He is increasing. The kingdom is benefiting. And really, that's me done. Kingdom, 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 die. Because you're not staying here anyway, right? You're not staying here anyway. Kingdom, kingdom, others, 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 others. Other people's benefit. Kingdom benefit. Always outside. Amen. 
Think again, folks. Think again. Reassess even everything you've done up, up, up until now. It's not too late. Reassess. Unpack some stuff if you need to. Get rid of some stuff if you need to. Declutter. I love that. I love decluttering. I love to keep things simple and mobile, you know, so that I'm flexible. That goes for everything. Time, possessions, the works. Travel light. Don't tie yourself down. Next slide, please, Ray. I've covered this before, this particular slide. Principles to stick by. I won't cover them, but if you go on Facebook, you can get a couple of messages just on this slide right here. You never have to obey God's principles to achieve God's goals. Don't forget that. So keep the book in your hand. Keep the scripture with you. Keep God central. As you pursue the goal and the vision that God has given you, keep God central. The vision never becomes God, right? God is God. And you serve God and you worship God, but the vision never becomes God. Jesus exemplified this in Gethsemane whenever he prayed the prayer, remember? His goal, Jesus' vision was the cross. His destiny, his life, everything was to get to the cross but, and complete the vision. But just before the last moment, what did he do? Father, if it's possible for this cup to be taken from me, it's fine. Because I'm here for you. I'm here to do your will. Never got confused about the task and the purpose and, the, and God. And don't you let that creep into your mind or priorities either. Remain in prayer throughout the entire journey, entire time. And last slide, please, Ray. These are just on your notes, principles for you to, to look at. It involves love for God in service of people, sacrifice, great patience, remember. By the way, visions and dreams happen in phases. It's not so simple ABC. You may go AB and stop for a few years. And then go CDEFG and then stop for a little while. Don't be afraid of that. It's like any growth. It can be Phase by phase. This last point here. Once you've come out of the closet and you've explained to everybody that you do have a calling, that God is leading you forward. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, finishes with this one in Proverbs. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that wins souls is wise. You heard that? Great scripture. He that wins souls is wise. And I've used that scripture to preach on evangelism and salvation for the lost many times. But that is not what it means. Sorry. But it's a good scripture for that. But it's not the context. The context of that chapter in Proverbs is Solomon achieving his vision. He was going to build a palace. He was going to build a temple. He was going to build a a business. Import, export. Remember? Yeah? Ships on the sea. He had a vision, a dream. In fact, he had dozens of them and achieved them all. But this man says to you, he who wins souls, it means gets, get people to support you. Don't make enemies of those you need to be friends. Okay? You can't, I don't believe it's the design of life. We were doing it in here last night with the Brazilians. Whatever that vision is in you, 
It's not for you to run out on your own. That's not good. That's not good. That's not safe. So if you find that momentum, I'm just going to take this and go. Do you know what? Hey, careful. <laughs> careful. This is where families fall apart. This is what happens. You stay undercover. You bring your vision and you submit it and you stay undercover. 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 Your vision needs to be submitted like everybody else's vision. Bring it into the... Don't be a lone ranger. And Solomon puts that in one sense. I need to get friends. I need to get those around me who will support me in what I am to do. Because you won't be doing this thing in God's patterns. You will not be doing it on your own. So we have, for me, I, I believe, I know Peter a long time, one of my closest friends. And he and I work together very well, apostolically and prophetically. And so many times, he would have the word or I would have the word. And today I could show you the fruit of many of those prophecies. Well, six weeks ago, we had one right here. And I, I'm telling you, there's an open door. Close the door of the past. Shut out whatever has been nagging you all these years. Right? Make a decision. Draw a line in the sand. Find that dream. If it needs isolation, go into isolation. Take the time, whatever length of time is needed. You're going to have to realize it. Go pub uh, become an expert in it. Study it. Absorb it. You're going to have to go public. And we as a church, it's a very good church for that, you will get the support here from your brothers and sisters that you do need. So don't, don't run away from that. Are you up for it? Amen. Stand up with me this morning. I'll ask Joe, was it on keyboard? Just still your heart, still your spirit one moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. God, the days are short. And this world is changing fast, sinking fast before our eyes. I pray you would take a hold of us this morning and challenge us prophetically that we would put hope back in our future. That the same God who has given all these men in Scripture, Abraham, Moses, David, and the prophets, he gave them vision, he gave them hope, and you accomplished it. And Lord, in this place, many people, some who have never found their dream, their gift, their vision. I pray this morning you would shine a spotlight on it as they close the door in the past. Reveal. Reveal your calling. And God give each and every one the ability, the strength to push through and to see it happen. The diligence to study and to work and to train whatever we need to do to become proficient in that gifting, in that calling, in that ministry, in that area. And Father, make us wise to the things we take into our lives. Practical things, relationships. I pray that everything we bring on board will complement the vision, your goal, and your plan for our future. 
We'll invite the worship team to take your place. Just stay on your feet. I'm going to ask Sandra in just a moment to, to pray for us. Pray for us all. This room, we're not in isolation. We're not like David in the field. God understands that. But just in the stillness and the quietness of your own heart, give him your undivided attention. You and your God. Continue to give God that moment.